Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable. Right now, at this very second, I'm supposed to be on the way back from the airport, having collected my mother, and I'm supposed to have been bringing her back to my apartment. My mother was supposed to be here this afternoon. My mother will not arrive until the morning. She was flying out of BWI. I was trying to get her to do the same trip that I did to leave IED and then do a long layover in Paris and then come to Johannesburg. But she was like, I don't want to walk around Paris by myself. And I was like, but it's Paris. She was like, no, I just want to get to Johannesburg. So she did a layover in Atlanta and then she was going to do direct from Atlanta to Johannesburg, which I think is um, 13 hours, 14 hours. That would drive me insane, but apparently not her. But she arrived in Atlanta with no issues. And then her flight was canceled. She was supposed to get on a plane around five o'clock last night and did. They did board and then they sat on the runway forever and a day. And then they went back to the gate and deplaned because I guess like the number of hours that the flight attendants and the pilot could fly had expired. And so her plane that was supposed to leave at five, actually was 550. So six o'clock, six o'clock last night, didn't leave until nine o'clock this morning. She had to get a hotel and stay over in Atlanta. And I was like, 
that's a lot. But she is in the friendly skies and on her way to Johannesburg now. From the time she leaves to with the time change here, it's 22 hours. So I have to be at the airport at, I think, 7 a.m. to collect my mom. But no worries. All things happen for the reason that they're supposed to. Because had I gone to collect my mom, I would not be doing this podcast right now. It is 5 o'clock p.m. on Tuesday in Johannesburg. I'm trying to record the episodes a little earlier when I can. Someone wrote in about the editing for the last couple episodes. And they were like, sis, what's going on? Like the editing's trash. To be transparent, working with the same podcast network, I just got a new producer. The producer I've been with for the last couple of years has moved on to new ventures. I wish her well. But there's some growing pains and, you know, the, the workflow isn't flowing as it, it might need to all the times. And so sometimes I'm editing the podcast in the middle of the night and I be half falling asleep sometimes when I'm editing because I'm just exhausted between doing the podcast and then doing the writer's room from 8 p.m. to 1 a.m. I'm just kind of tapped out. So my bad on the edits. I'm aware of the issue. I'm trying to fix it. Please work with me while we transition and figure out this workflow. As many of you know, especially if you've been a long-term listener, you remember how I moved to LA many years ago because I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be in writer's rooms. That's finally starting to happen. And there's a, a what's the word? A conflict of how to do that because it's time consuming and do the other things that I, I want to do. There's a question of whether I'll be able to continue to live abroad because of the time difference is killing me. And then also like with the podcast, I don't know if I'm able to juggle all the projects. So we'll, um, we'll see how it plays out. It might go from, you know, twice a week to once a week. I don't know. I don't know. I just want to be transparent about what's going on because clearly I'm fucking up. You know, I just want to take accountability for that and let you know that I'm trying to Figure some things out and work on the um, work on the issue. But issue one, priority, if I'm going to continue to put out the podcast, then it needs to be well done. The editing, it's not okay with you and it's not okay with me. So thank you for bringing it to my attention. I didn't do much over the weekend. It was good weather, but I was in the house. I'm trying to figure out my living arrangements for the next couple months. I'm leaving Johannesburg in May. I I think I mentioned once that I was probably going to try to extend my trip. I decided not to. Johannesburg is a perfectly lovely place, but the electricity issues and and the time difference is killing me work-wise. It's got to be a pick of struggle. Like I can't do no electricity working in the dark and being seven hours ahead of the East Coast and 10 hours ahead of the West. It's just not working. Like tonight, my power goes off from 8 p.m. until... 12 30 a.m. and I'm just like no one of the reasons I keep traveling like I've only been in Johannesburg less than a month and I've been gone for what that's 30 days I've been gone for probably 12 14 of those days because of the power issue I go to other cities and other countries I mean because I want to see them and explore them but also because they have steady electricity there's no amount of, of generators and power sources and, and walking around with an industrial level flashlights that can make up for like literally your electricity not being on. And like if you want to, I don't know, cook something or microwave something like you can't because you ain't got no damn power. I'm annoyed. You can hear it. So, yeah, so I'm trying to figure out what my next destination is because I initially planned that I would stay here until maybe July. I think I'm either going to station in Nairobi or London I'm kind of rolling around the idea of going to Brooklyn for summer. One of my friends is here, has an apartment in Brooklyn and nobody's in. And I was like, sis, it's just sitting there with nobody in it in the middle of Brooklyn summer. 
So that's an option as well. I've literally been sitting around making, what's it called, like post-its, but not on post-its, of like the pros and cons of Nairobi versus London. If I go to Nairobi, I can hang out on the coast of East Africa. And then also I'm close to Rwanda and Uganda. So I definitely get to go gorilla trekking like at least once. I'm obsessed with animals and safaris and East Africa has some of the best. They have the great migration for the Maasai Mara, I think in July. But Maasai Mara just in just any regular time of year is also dope. And then also, you know, cross the border to Tanzania and the Serengeti's right there. There's good options in, um, in Nairobi. But also if I go to London, I can base in London and bop around Europe for the summer. Three and a half hours from Paris by train, two hours to the French Riviera by plane. Same thing for Italy, same thing for Belgium. I think that's kind of all I want to see. Spain, actually, I would love to go back to Barcelona. I was broke the last time I was there. I was like 21? It's in grad school. But I would like to do that again. Like, I studied abroad in London my senior year of college, and I've always wanted to live in London again. It's kind of a bucket list thing. I do want to live in East Africa for a bit as well. It's not a bucket list thing, but it is something I want to do. What else did I do this weekend? Oh, I did go see Creed this weekend. We'll do a review a little later in the episode, but we'll begin Good Black News by mentioning it grossed $100 million worldwide. It's the, um, the biggest opening for a sports film ever. I expected that it was going to be big. We spent two episodes talking about the marketing and promotion that's gone into Creed 3. So I'm glad that all paid off. Michael B. Jordan and Jonathan Majors have been working their asses off to promote this film. And it paid off. They are very, very deserving, I think, of the success that Creed had this weekend. I'm, I'm actually, it's weird, like, to be happy and, like, proud of people. Actually, statistically, black people do this. We, like, emotionally connect with other black people, so we get secondhand embarrassment. But we also get, like, secondhand pride when black people accomplish something good. So, yeah, like, I'm actually, like, proud of them. Like, well, I don't look at neither one of them like little brother. Although they're both little brother age, that they still grown-ass men. We talked about Marcus Jordan last week. Like, he's 32. It's a grown-ass man. Jonathan Majors, 33. It's a grown-ass man. Michael B. Jordan, I think he's 36. Grown-ass man. Could be little brother age. But also, and two, in addition, grown-ass man. There was something else about the film. Michael B. Jordan, more good black news, more so for us than, I guess, him. We talked a couple episodes ago about how he's the new face of, I don't know if it's Calvin Klein, but it's Calvin Klein draws for sure. He's all over the internet in his draws, which, amen, amen. There were pictures of him in his draws. And then Calvin Klein released a video either today or yesterday. I guess yesterday. I thought it got no better than the pictures, but indeed, indeed it has. I saw people talking about, because you know, like the success of the film and then also the, um, the Calvin Klein ads. And apparently there's some partnership going on with him and Ralph Lauren. I read that all of the suits that he wore in Creed, because you know, he's a, he's a retired boxer and he's a businessman and he's to be taken seriously and such. All of the suits that he wore in Creed are on sale at Ralph Lauren. If you liked what you saw in the film, you can purchase the suit, which I thought was excellent product placement. Um, But he's hot right now. He's got this big film that just knocked it out the park. He's got all these interviews. He's got all these magazine covers. He's got his Hollywood Walk of Fame. He's the face of Calvin Klein Draws. Like, he's everywhere, and he looks fucking amazing, and he's super successful. 
So I saw a couple threads on Facebook and they were like, oh, Lori Harvey has got to be kicking herself. She fumbled the bag because like, look at all the shit he's doing. She's never going to do any better than this. People just really don't like Lori Harvey or in general, women that march to a beat of a non-traditional drum, if you will. And by non-traditional drum, to be frank, just who don't seem desperate to be with a man for whatever the reason is. For the people who say things like that, like you do realize that the issue that Michael B. Jordan and Lori Harvey had, and neither of them have publicly said what it is, but we can reasonably gauge with a bit of observation skills and common sense that the issue between them wasn't that Michael B. Jordan lacked money or star power or fame or recognition or, I don't know, even endorsements. All of the things that have come about for this promo of Creed, he had all of those things in a slightly lesser quantity like two years ago when they were dating. I think Creed 1 and Creed 2 already existed. He was in Super Bowl ads. He was making a bunch of money. He was an A-list actor. Like This didn't just come about because of Creed. Clearly there was something else. Whatever else that something else was between them that didn't work out, it still exists. Even if he gets more popular, even if he's on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, even if he has an $100 million opening weekend, him getting these things now doesn't mean Lori Harvey missed out. Whatever wasn't working would still not work. Him making more money and having more fame doesn't mean whatever the issue was, it would be solved. People do that all the time. Like people move on and then people like glow up and it's just like, oh, like you missed out. You fumbled the bag. And it's just like... No, the issues that we had still exist. As a matter of fact, they probably would be more magnified with more power, more fame, and more access. Whatever the issue was, no matter what it was, money makes the problem of being broke go away. It doesn't fix shit else. Everything else, like your personality, like your, your personal tics, your angst, your habits, all of those things, like they, they still exist with money. As a matter of fact, you could get money and your broke habits will still exist. None of that shit changes just because a check got dropped into your account. I know people hate Lori Harvey. Um, but find reasons to hate on her that are like legitimate as opposed to just, you know, saying hateful shit. And also, also, it's not like she's not doing shit at best, right? At best. If you, if you feel like her skincare company just doesn't count, if you feel like, you know, her being in the Usher video, it's like, oh, she's a video vixen, like that doesn't count. Can you acknowledge the woman is, is, is just like a damn good influencer? I know people don't really like fuck with influencers like that sometimes, but she's like a high level influencer. If you go on her page right now, like she's doing ads for Tory Burch and Valentino Beauty. Hashtag ad. I remember Kim Kardashian once talking about she got north of a million dollars for a single Instagram post. I'd be shocked if Lori Harvey was getting less than a hundred thousand, and that's on the low end. I don't think people who are not influencers and like I mean like upper level influencers understand the numbers that come along with like influencer shit. I know what I used to get paid. I don't even consider myself an influencer. I have less than 200,000 followers on Instagram. Lori Harvey has 5 million. Put that in perspective. People are like, oh my God, she's not doing anything. She's like leeching off her parents. She doesn't need to. With her numbers and as an influencer, she doesn't need to. People who are not in entertainment have no idea what these checks can be like. It can be insane. You're like, they paying me how much to do what? Work? Okay. I saw at the Super Bowl, Lori Harvey, she did an ad for Budweiser and everybody was like, you don't drink Budweiser. This shit is off brand. I can't even imagine how much they paid her to sit there with a bottle of Budweiser and pretend she's drinking it. We all know she doesn't drink that shit. Budweiser wanted it to be advertised. If Lori Harvey had not been drinking Budweiser, I would not be discussing Budweiser on this podcast. 
you would not be listening to me talk about Budweiser. It worked. I'm sure they paid her a shit ton of money to post that ad. Like, okay, it's not on brand, but you're going to pay me what? All right. <laughs> Leave that girl alone. She really doesn't do anything. She doesn't talk half the time. People project a lot of their stuff onto her, good, bad, and indifferent. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Also in good black news, I think this is good black news. BET is up for sale. Viacom, which became Paramount, now wants to sell off BET because they're focusing on doing their Paramount Plus streaming service. They need the capital. So allegedly, according to The Hollywood Reporter and a bunch of other places too, they are trying to sell off BET. I say it's a good thing because the two apparent front runners for buying BET are two black people. One of them being Tyler Perry, who already has a stake in BET Plus, And then the other one being Byron Allen, who already owns a bunch of networks and radio stations. So BET could actually be black owned again. I've heard people talk about, you know, their thoughts about Tyler Perry and his quality of work. And then him having a whole network and, and what kind of content he would put on the network I hear you. I hear you. I haven't really heard much about opinions about Byron Allen. I just kind of want to see BET black owned again. And let me say this in Tyler Perry's defense. He's a great businessman. Tyler Perry's projects have been getting better. We're not where we were when we began. They're, they're getting better. And I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going to say anything else. We've talked on previous episodes about the good Tyler Perry does with the money that he makes off of the content that he produces. He does good things for the community. And I'm going to just focus on the bigger picture of that. There is an audience that enjoys Tyler Perry work and they are entitled to enjoy it. And I'm just going to move on. To talk about other BET stuff. There's a bunch of BET stuff in the news this week. Deborah Lee, who used to be the CEO of BET for like forever. She has a new book that just came out. What is the title of it? It's a memoir. It's called I Am Deborah Lee. I've been hearing about this project behind the scenes for months. I'm very excited about it. I'm not going to talk too much about it because I'm actually going to reach out to Deborah Lee. I, I should be at Leading Women Defined. That's um, Deborah Lee's big women's event that she does every year. I've gone a couple times. 
I got an invite this year, but I'm in Johannesburg and I actually was going to fly out, but some things happened. So I chose not to, but I would very much like her to come on the podcast and talk about her new book. She has a very good interview in the Washington Post about her book. She says her purpose in writing it, she says, quote, I want women to understand that they don't have to find their voice. They have their voice. They just have to learn to use it. And that takes a while. So she talks about her experience at BET, including how she learned to be a leader. She says she's a naturally shy person. And so she had to learn how to use her big woman voice as CEO. She talks about working at BET and a lot of things that she did, quote unquote, for the culture and how everything that happened at BET, she got blamed for, whether it was her fault or not being the CEO. And I was like, yeah, that that sounds about right. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. She talks about the pressure of creating content at BET and the expectations that black folk had for the network that they didn't have for other networks. And full disclosure, as I talk about BET, I used to work there, not for a long time, only a couple years, but in my early, early career, I want to say like 2003 to five, maybe. I'm also only going to mention this only because Deborah Lee mentioned it in the Washington Post, no less. This is something that's been an open secret in D.C. and probably New York, too, for decades. No one ever talks about it publicly out of respect for Deborah Lee and also her power. I was shocked when I heard she put it in the book. And I was further shocked that she talked about it in the Washington Post. But Deborah Lee and Bob Johnson, who's the founder of BET, they were married to other people and had an affair with each other while they were running BET. I still can't believe she mentioned this in the, in the Washington Post. But the interviewer asked her, and it's a black woman, and she was very, very respectful. She says, why was it important for you to share your personal relationship with Bob Johnson in this book? It's the most respectful way to ask. Like, you talked about your affair with Bob in this book, ma'am? Indeed. This is Deborah Lee. She says, quote, I felt like I had to include it or people would say everyone knows they had a relationship. Why didn't she put it in the book? So one, I knew I had to. And two, this part I didn't know. She says, I wanted young women to know that there are forms of harassment and abuse that don't look like a Harvey Weinstein. She says, we've heard so much about the guys who come to the door with their robe open and they come out naked. That wasn't the kind of experience I had. It turned into a situation, it being the affair, where my job was at issue anytime I thought about breaking up the relationship. That's very much sexual harassment, but it's a different kind of sexual harassment. I wanted young women to know that if you're in a relationship that's uneven in terms of the power structure, that it can turn abusive. So I read this. And then I went and I started over from the top. And I was like, is she accusing Bob Johnson of sexual harassment? Is, is that what just happened here? The interviewer, because she's really good. It's the trained journalist. She asked for clarity. She says, you believed your career was at risk if you walked away from the relationship. She said, oh, yeah. I was told that many times. It's like, okay, if you're going to break up with me, and let's get on the phone and tell people you are leaving right now. She says, as a working mother... How does one recover from something like that? How does one say, quote, the man I worked for for 20 years won't give me a recommendation and fired me because we were in a relationship and now it's over. I believe she just me too, Bob Johnson. Fuck. I, how is this not a bigger story? Is this trending on Twitter yet? That's that's kind of major. 
Kind of. That's major. So I'm going to see if we can get Deborah to come on here. I mean, not to just talk about that part. I'm interested in her conversations about women and, and leadership primarily. But, you know, the Me Tooing of Bob Johnson is a kind of big story. That too. Last but not least at BET, is this a new show? I saw Tamika D. Mallory. The D is important because you know how I am about my L. She was talking about this new show that's coming on BET called America in Black. I think it's a monthly show, show, but it's a new show. Like people always ask, like, whatever happened to BET News? Because BET News, because BET News. And BET keeps trying to bring back a news element and people just don't take to it for some reason. But then everyone always cries about BET News, BET News, BET News. So this is their answer this time to people asking about BET News. So a new show, new might be in quotes, one Sunday a month called America in Black and BET. And the reason I keep wondering whether it's new is because my friend sent me an excerpt of an episode that just aired. So I was like, is this like the first episode or is this like the most recent episode? I'm not sure. This episode that just aired is about women, black middle-class women who are single by choice. And it's based on this book by a woman named Chris Marsh. She's a sociologist. Her book is called The Love Jones Cohort. Let me look this up because I want to see the subtitle. Whatever I screenshot it is not showing me. It's not allowing me to see the subtitle. Chris Marsh, single by choice. It's Okay, she's a University of Maryland sociologist. It's called The Love Jones Cohort, Single and Living Alone in the Black Middle Class. I want her on my show too, expeditiously. We haven't done interviews in a while, and I have a list of people that I want to talk to. Michael Ely is on the list. Have you been watching? What's my show? Bel Air? We're two episodes in, and we've had no Michael Ely appearance. Where's Michael Ely? They talked about him in both episodes. They talked about his character in the, in the most recent episode, episode two. He pissed Aunt Viv off, and she got all dressed up with her back out. I said, man, if you don't put on a blazer to go see that man, you don't know what he's capable of. He's crazy. He will ruin your life. But she got dressed up with her back out. and She went to go see him. She got to the art gallery and he wasn't there. And I said, where is Michael Ely? Is Michael Ely appearing this season? Is he, is he part of the cast? Someone let me know. And then someone let me know whatever Michael Ely is working on. I should just DM him. Okay, that's not the point. The point is, I want to talk to this woman expeditiously. I obviously do not have access to the book. If someone knows the publicist for this book, tell them I need a copy. They can just PDF me. I can read it that way. If there's an audio, that's great too. I just want a copy. But this segment that ran, she was talking about being single, single. And she was just very, very clear. She's like, I am single by choice. And the quote that she gives in this interview, my friend sent it to me. He was like, amen, hallelujah, speak in tongues. She says, quote, do not come in here and disrupt my peace. Essentially, she's saying that's why she's single. And she's making the argument that that's why a lot of black women are single, because the men that they are encountering are disrupting their peace and they're choosing peace over partnership. I would love to have a conversation with her about that. And I was like, yo, BET is everywhere this week. It's like they're working with the team from Creed 3. Creed. I didn't love it. I liked it. It was cool. During the fight scenes, you know, sometimes like you watch people fight and you get like a jolt of uh, adrenaline. You want to jump in, like you want to fight too. I felt it. I was at least that invested. I thought the acting was good. 
I thought Michael B. Jordan did what he was supposed to do. I thought Jonathan Majors did what he was supposed to do. I thought their bodies were amazing. I was upset when Claire Huxtable, she could be Felicia Rashad. When Claire Huxtable died, I was upset. I cried and I was like, look, y'all done killed off Angela Bassett and Black Panther and then turned around less than a year later and killing off Claire Huxtable. What is going on? What is going on? I like that Michael B. Jordan was a family man. I appreciate it when it got to the final fight that I really couldn't call who was going to win. To be honest, I was rooting for Jonathan Majors. And not that I like Jonathan Majors more than Michael B. Jordan, but he had a hard life and he had a what I thought was a, a legitimate chip on his shoulder. I felt like he needed a win and I wanted that for him. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I thought it was a solid movie, but I wouldn't go see it again. And this is, this is the part that, was, that didn't work for me. It was never really clear what exactly happened outside. I don't know if it was a liquor store, store, restaurant. But whenever they were kids and Michael B. Jordan sees the guy that used to run the group home and jumps on him and starts beating the shit out of him. Jonathan Majors had a gun. The police pull up. He ends up doing 20 years. It's implied that he shot the guy, he killed the guy, but it's never outright said. It's clear that that Michael B. Jordan's character, Adonis, ran away. And then Jonathan Major's character took the L for it. And then he reached out to Adonis over the years and Adonis didn't respond. But because Adonis didn't get the letters, his mom hid the letters from him like Mr. Did Seeley. There was just an emotional arc that was missing for me of how we got to I'm going to come out of retirement and fight you now. I don't know if it was because like we didn't have like a real emotional connection between Michael B. Jordan and the fighter that Jonathan Majors had sabotaged so that he couldn't fight. So they needed somebody to step into the ring. It just seemed very far-fetched to me that, okay, this guy's been locked up for 20 years, but he is in excellent condition. He's been training for a couple months, and now we're just going to put him up for the heavyweight championship just because Adonis Creed said so. And then even after Jonathan Majors beats the guy, and then Adonis's mom says, like, this was all a setup from Jump, I don't understand why Michael B. Jordan was like, okay, I have to come out of retirement and like fight you to prove whatever to you. Like it just, it just never connected for me. It was a fine film. I don't hate it. I'm glad it was successful. I'm glad it did like the numbers that it did, but just as, you know, someone who's really into story, the story just didn't connect for me. That's all. We need to talk about this Chris Rock special. It was all right. When we spoke about Chris going live on Netflix, I told you I was worried and I was like, I can't believe Netflix agreed to this because Chris Rock is liable to say anything and did. I figured that he was going to address Will and Jada, given that Will slapped him in the face at the Oscars. And I thought it was fair for him to address. I saw lots of people saying that like, oh, he's petty. He waited a year to address it. He should just move on. And I'm like, no, 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 no,
he got slapped in the fucking face and didn't hit the man back. In some form or fashion, he was going to hit him back. If not physically, he was going to go for the jugular emotionally or comedically or in some fashion, he was getting his lick back. So that's what this stand-up was. Before we even get to the, the Will and Jada part, this wasn't his best work. When I watched it, I was like, I chuckled a little bit, but I just found most of the material like very dated. He's talking about Lululemon and, and Black Lives Matter and the companies were all Black Lives Matter for like six months. That was a 2020 observation. We're in 2023. And not to say that Black Lives Matter no longer matters, but the big conversation that's being had about race right now is banning history, banning the accuracy of history, especially what's going on in Florida and critical race theory and all of those things. And I felt like if he wanted to talk about something that was a, a bigger race conversation, then Lululemon being like Black Lives Matter isn't it right now. Like there's a whole new conversation. He did a whole bit about the Kardashians dating black men, dated. He did a bit about, what's the father, Caitlyn? Transgender people. It's not to say you can't talk about transgender people in your comedy. It's just the way he talked about them. It was just a dated conversation. I'm like, you're not advancing the conversation. You're not giving us any new insight. You're not saying anything fresh. That's what I'm trying to say. Like nothing about this special uh, fresh. He made fun of, I didn't know this man's name. It was a Draymond Green NBA player. I had to go look him up because he's not somebody that's like huge in pop culture. It's not where he's registered on my radar, but he's like making fun of this dude's complexion, like talking about how dark he is. Are we still doing like you're so black jokes in 2023? Like we've, we've not evolved. He did this really long bit about his daughter who went to prep school or a really elite school, getting kicked out of school for drinking, Lola. Like, he just went on and on and on about this story about Lola. And I was like, this is one, unrelatable, and two, not interesting. And I get, like, comedians talk about their family lives. Like, he is a father. He is an ex-husband. I get it. But I was like, this isn't, this is neither interesting nor funny nor fresh nor, why are you telling us this? If, If I was Lola, I'd be pissed. I wouldn't speak to my father. I'm trying to think. What else did he speak about? He talked about he's, you know, divorced, obviously, and he's got all this money now. So he wants to date like young hot chicks. And I want to say like he specifically mentioned Doja Cat. And it was just such a weird way that he said her name. Like he didn't really know who Doja Cat was, but somebody told him, oh, that's like the young reference for like a hot girl. And so he said Doja Cat. Like it was just something about the way he said it. And I was like, he just seems really out of touch right now. It just didn't hit for me. Um, But like I watched it all the way through. It was only an hour, but I just, I chuckled it best. I didn't love it. But the Will and Jada portion, I totally expected him to go full nuke bomb on Will. I didn't expect him to flip out like that on Jada because the way he talked about Jada Pinkett Smith, you would have thought Jada Pinkett Smith was the one that slapped him. Like he calls her a bitch. And the way he said it with such vitriol, again, it was like Jada is the one that popped him in the face, not Will. And then he goes on to talk about how Jada had called for a boycott of the Oscars and Chris framed it as she was mad Will Smith didn't get nominated for concussion. He was hosting the Oscars that year and he was like, how dare you try to tell me not to collect the check? Chris Rock was also going through a divorce at that time. I think that divorce battle took two years to settle. He finally settled it in 2016 and his wife, I don't know if she took half, but Chris always talks about how she took the house 
and it was a very expensive divorce. He was worth about $70 million. I tried to find the details of their divorce earlier today, but the speculation was that she took about half. They were married for 20 years, so that sounds about right. But he might have really needed that money. And then Jada Pinkett Smith calling for this boycott and asking all the black people not to go. And then now he's the black person that's hosting and he needs this check. And now people might be looking at him funny because they're like, well, we're doing a boycott. And why are you still hosting? It puts him in a really fucked up position. I understand how he could be annoyed with Jada Pinkett Smith, given that circumstance. That makes complete sense to me. His version of events during this special, he says, she started it. I finished it. Okay, then it's done. She said what she had to say. You called her out about saying it in 2016. Move along. It appears that when he came out on the Oscar stage to present the night that Will Smith slapped him, he saw Jada and felt a way about some shit that had happened in 2016. So he makes a little quip about her hair. She rolls her eyes. Will Smith gets up and smacks the shit out of him. He blames Jada Pinkett Smith for all of this, which a lot of people did. We talked about that in a previous episode. I'm like, Will slapped him. There's no evidence that Jada Pinkett Smith said, you know, sick him, slap him, beat him, do something, avenge my honor, something like that. Will did that shit of his own volition. Even if Jada had been like, sick boy, sick, attack. Will's still a grown ass man. Will's 50. We talk about grown ass men at 32 and 33 on here. Will is a 50 year old man. Even if she was like attacked, he could have been like, you sound fucking crazy. I ain't doing that shit. He did it. Will Smith is responsible for Will Smith. Like, I understand they're married. I understand they're a pair. I understand they're interdependent and all of that. Will Smith is a grown ass man who is solely and uniquely responsible for his own actions. I don't understand how Jada Pinkett Smith keeps getting blamed for this shit. The way he went in on her and also that he does this comedy special where he like eviscerates Jada and her husband. He talked more about Will, but the things he said about Jada were more biting. He did this in Baltimore, which is Jada's hometown. I was like, why don't you do that shit in L.A. where they currently live? Why don't you do that shit in Philly where Will is from? Why the fuck you do it in Baltimore? As a person from Maryland, like I'm happy that Baltimore is getting some love. It just seems like an extra petty jab at Jada, an unnecessary jab at Jada. She's not the one that slapped you. Or is this another case because Will Smith yelled at you like, keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. He's going to keep talking about Jada and keep taking jabs at her because he knows how much it upsets Will Smith. So Jada's just basically being used as a pawn. He's going to say horrible shit at her to get at Will. Fairness, he called Will bitch ass. I don't know if he specifically called him a bitch though. He talked about, he's like, Charlemagne called you a bitch. Dream Champs called you a bitch. Everybody called you a bitch. But he reserved most of his anger for Jada. And I was like... Whether you like the woman, whether you don't, she's not the one that slapped you. Now, you want to call Will a bitch? I get it. You want to call Will a bitch ass? I get it. The man slapped you in the face. He got it coming. Jada, she didn't do anything to you. He ends the special and he says the reason he didn't fight Will Smith back, and this is after he talks about the height and size differential between them. He was like, he played Muhammad Ali, I played Pookie. Noted. But he says all that, and then he says, well, the reason I didn't hit him back, and I was like, the reason you didn't hit him back is like, one, you were stunned. Two, he's much, much bigger than you. He hit you once, and you took that shit like a G. If y'all got into a fight, he actually punched you instead of slapped you, he would knock you the fuck out. Chris attributes not fighting back, and he was like, yeah, because my parents told me not to fight in front of white people. But they told you to drop M-bombs all day in front of white people? They told you it was okay to refer to a black woman who's done nothing to you. As a bitch in front of white people, that's cool. But fighting Will Smith is 
is you're adhering to some shit your parents told you about black respectability when white people are present. Okay. Good Morning America also called that shit out. I saw it on, um, I saw a clip of it. I don't know the young lady who was speaking. She seemed to be an entertainment correspondent, but she was, she was standing. The, um, the regulars were at the desk, including Robin in the middle. She talked about Chris Rock saying that not to fight in front of white people. And she specifically says, but you know, you can disrespect a black woman in front of white people. And Robin was like, basically, yeah, that part. I don't feel like Chris Rock did himself any favors with this special. If he was hoping to piss off the Smiths, I'm sure he did. I hope they don't respond. Like, I'm, I'm totally over this issue. I get why he said what he said about Will. Jada, I don't. But, but his anger at them, like, because that part, because that last part wasn't even comedy. It was just him raging about Will Smith. I get it. But the special as a whole, and then the way he addressed it, and especially the way he went after Jada, I don't think it did him any favors. I saw tons of people who were like, yo, Will Smith need to pop him in the fucking mouth again. On sight. On sight. He deserves it. And I was like, oh, to use a Chris Rock line. I'm not saying I condone it, but I understand. We ran a little long this week. That's okay. I'm going to chop this up and edit it and get it out at a decent time. And we'll talk again on Friday. All right. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home. And then there's a version of it where you have someone help you. You watch them do it the right way. And you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you, I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.